was told that he would come and the race he would run it would end on an old rugged cross but when they lay him in the tomb the power of the Lord went in the room and now he reigns Of love, 
there shall be seasons refreshing sent from the Savior above. Showers of blessing, showers of blessings we need. Mercy drops round us are falling, but for the showers we bleed, there shall be showers of blessing, precious reviving again. prayer this morning I told this part of the choir when he announced what we're singing now that it's officially almost 100 degrees I'd like to turn that song into there shall be snoop showers of blessing amen thank you for coming out this afternoon or this morning for Father's Day we appreciate you being here let me give you just a couple of quick requests and then brother Shane's going to take us to the throne room of grace please pray for uh, Bethany if you would we put that out earlier this week she had some uh, tonsil surgery and some other things she had to do she having a tough time of recovery on that uh, Rebecca was just sharing with us, so please pray with, uh, pray for Bethany, if you would, and for mom and dad as well. You know, when the baby's not feeling good. We like to say when mama's not feeling good or when mama ain't happy, nobody's happy. But when the babies ain't feeling good, nobody's happy. So pray for them, if you would. And, of course, I had lots of requests downstairs as well. Pray for uh, Brother CT uh, and the upcoming teen conference. Uh, we are so excited about that. We'll be leaving out of here a week from tomorrow. Uh, and I will be meeting with all of the parents next Sunday morning right after church. Uh, got a couple things I need to give you to have you fill out uh, in preparation. Won't, won't, we'll do it while we're here, actually. It won't take but about 10 minutes, but we're going to do that next Sunday morning. But please be praying that God will move upon the teen conference, uh, not just for our youth group, but for all the youth groups that will be traveling in. I believe that the hope of America resides in the upcoming generation. So you pray for them if you would. Uh, Brother Shane, you take us to the throne room. Let's join Shane this morning as he prays for us today. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank you for the divine privilege to be in your house this morning. Lord, I thank you for full pews and not an empty seat to be found. Father, I just ask this morning that you just cleanse us of the world, Lord, so we can receive your word. Father, there's many of us this morning that are just hurting and have struggled throughout the week. Father, I ask that you just lay your hands upon each and every one of us. 
Father, I ask that you touch Sister Bethany, Lord, and just heal her body. Father, I ask that you just <clears throat> cleanse Brother Greg this morning as he delivers your word, Lord, and just fill him with your spirit and let him be your mouthpiece to speak what we need to hear. Father, Lord, I just ask that you bless all the fathers this morning because without them, we wouldn't be here. Lord, most of all, I'd like to thank you for my heavenly Father because without him, Lord, there's, there's really no purpose. Father, just bless us throughout the rest of the day. Lord, bless Brother Greg as he preaches in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You can be seated this morning. I talk all the time about my favorite song, and I love this song, and I love that song, and I like a lot of them. But if we've got only one song we can sing out of our choir book, it's going to be this one. I hope you'll listen to it, and I know it'll bless your heart. You listen to Miss Lisa.
He's worthy to be loved. How many of you have a prayer request on your heart today that you came in wanting God to answer? A lot of hands lifted. I'm glad that he knows the answer before we know we got the problem. And I sure love this old song. You listen as Brother Matt sings, he will roll you over the tide.
Amen. Thank you, choir. Wonderful job this morning. Thank you so much. I got lots of things to chat with you about this morning, announcements and some awards to give out. So give me just a few moments, if you would, uh, before our young folks go out today. First of all, uh, just a reminder that there's no evening services tonight. As always, on Father's Day, we give you this afternoon to celebrate with your families. And I want to remind you that on Wednesday nights, I'm doing a new series, and I'm really excited by this because it's something that we all deal with that we call spiritual discouragement. Uh, I've been look, we've been looking at characters in the Bible, situations, and this coming Wednesday night, we're going to be looking at Elijah and how he goes from a mountaintop to a valley in a twinkling of an eye almost and how he gets through that. So I encourage you to be with us this coming Wednesday night. Also, a reminder that this coming Saturday is our golf tournament. you got a few more days to help us get some whole sponsors or to participate in secure teams. Uh, Brother Ken's got all the details, but that information is also over in our postal area. And then a reminder, next Sunday morning, we're going to be taking up a special offering to help support our upcoming teen conference, specifically for the meals for the young folks. Uh, so please help us with that. And then, as I already mentioned, uh, we'll be uh, meeting with the parents following the morning services. Uh, just a reminder also about our Operation Christmas Child uh, quarter collection campaign that's going on. Uh, uh, we've got lots of bottles that still have not been collected. Thank you for those that have already turned them in. Uh, we encourage you to keep filling them up. If you fill one up and you're willing to keep doing it, just grab another one. We will continue this all summer long uh, until they're all done and collected, and that will help offset the costs of our shipping uh, when we send off these Operation Christmas Child shoe boxes. You'll appreciate this. Uh, yesterday was, of course, the graduation for our Bible college, and uh, Dr. Toller graciously allowed me the opportunity to address the family and the graduates. And uh, for some reason, I had this sitting up here. I, I just was there from from uh, 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 last week. I don't know why I had it there, uh, but in, in in one swoop, you know, you don't. It's hard for me to to not to be still, and so I go like this, knocked it off. Bella comes up afterwards and said, this is the only church I've ever been to where there's a druggy addict pill bottle sitting on the pulpit. Amen. Uh, that's not what this is, but uh, you know what it's for, so help us out with that if you would. Ladies, don't forget to sign up for the Ladies Mountain Retreat if you haven't already done so. And also, sign up for our Christmas production. Hard to believe that we're already making plans for that, but we'll be practicing in just a few short weeks. Fantastic production this year. You will be marvelously blessed by it. We're looking for folks to help out on stage and behind stage, so please sign up for that if you would. And, of course, we've got the dates for our upcoming end of summer jubilee that we're sure looking forward to and praying about. All right, I want to recognize a few things today and a few folks. We're going to start uh, with recognizing fathers in just a moment. If you were with us on Mother's Day, uh, we had all the mothers to stand. We're going to do the same thing for the dads in just a moment. But I was praying hard about what to get for our fathers. Several years ago, I would do the same thing for the fathers that I did the mothers. I'd get a couple of plants, uh, recognize them. One fella came up to me afterwards and said, Preacher, you know uh, that with you giving me a plant, my wife's going to expect me to plant it. Now I'm just going to have to mow around it. I said, you know what? We'll never do that again. Amen. And then I thought about uh, giving some little tchotchke, something or another. Then I decided to give you the greatest gift of all, a gift card. And you can go get whatever you want. And this is for you, fellas. So, all the dads, would you please stand? All the dads in the building, please stand. Give them a nice round of applause. I appreciate you being here, fathers. Appreciate you being here. 
All right, stay standing now. We had a little fun with this with the moms. Let's do it with the dads. 50 years and above, stay standing. 50 years. There's like somebody went, that ain't me. Boom. All right. 55 and above, stay standing. 60 and above, stay standing. 65 and above, stay standing. You go, men. 70 and above, stay standing. All right now. It's on like Donkey Kong now. 75 and above, stay standing. There's like Sandra and Ethan went, thank God. <laughs> 80 and above, stay standing. 82 and above. Well, let's just go ahead. 85 and above. Oh, we got two still. How old are you, brother? 85. Brother Whitlow, how old are you, man? He's 85. How old are you, brother Sheeler? He had to look at his wife. Are you 90 years old, Brother Sheeler? Praise the Lord, buddy. Come here and get Michaela. Give this to Brother Michaela. Come here and take that to Brother Sheeler. That's awesome. Wave your hand, Brother Sheeler, so they can see where you're sitting. Michaela's short. She don't know where you are. All right. Now, we had two folks that were 85, Brother Doug and, and Brother Cozart. When's your birthday, Brother Cozart? When do you turn 86? October. When do you turn 86, Brother Doug? You just turned 85, right? Congratulations, Brother Cozart. He beat you by a nose hair there, buddy. That's awesome. That's awesome. I had a couple ladies come up to me after the Mother's Day and said, Preacher, you know, ladies, we don't like giving away our ages. So I decided next year I'm going to do it entirely different. We're going to do it by weight. Amen. So <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be the last Mother's Day service we ever have in this building. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> That's awesome. What's that? Man, if you could have seen the mouths of these women. That's awesome. All right, we got some uh, Sunday School Awards to give out now. For those of you who are visiting with us, uh, we uh, honor and celebrate our young folks and their participation in Sunday school. Man, we have a great Sunday school program, have so much fun with them. And so uh, all of them compete for points, uh, and uh, at the end of each quarter, we give them a little something-something uh, as a recognition. So we'll start with our littlest class, uh, and we've got two winners today. They both get $10. Uh, Miranda and Jace, come on down, guys and gals. Come on, big guy. I don't see Miranda. There you go, buddy. Give me a high five, Jace. Atta boy. Good job, man. He's waiting for his picture. That's what they're used to. All right. And then our next class is called God's Peculiar People. And in third place, uh, we've got Josh Rohr, who gets $10. Come on down, Josh. Good job, big guy. Take mom and dad out for lunch today. It's Father's Day. There you go. <laughs> and then second place, uh, $15, Jake Turner. I don't see Jake this morning. Jake, nope. All right. And then in first place, 33 points, $25, Miss Olivia. Come on, Olivia. $25, girl. 
give me a high five, and I'm ready for my McDonald's trip. That's the reaction I've always gotten from women. Amen. <laughs> Love it. Story of my life. All right. And then our middle school age range, uh, they're called uh, Prayer Warriors, which I love that. Uh, third place, $10, Amber Roar. Come on, Amber. Is she here? Yep, there you are. Good job, young lady. Give me a high five. Give me another one because I've got to do it from your brother. All right, there you go. Second place, uh, uh, $15, Peyton Horsley. Give me a high five. There you go. And first place, uh, $25, Cameron Gilbert. <laughs> Woohoo! If your, your family's like mine, that'd be three meals. Amen. All right. And then for our teenagers, we do a little something different. Instead of giving them money, uh, we put some money into their respective accounts that help pays for conferences and activities. Uh, and we do the top nine places for them, uh, th thanks to the wonderful size of our teen group. So when I call your name, I want you to stand and be recognized. Third place, uh, these folks get $15 on their account. Noah Martin, Amber Mize, Kara Helbert. Stand up, guys. Stand up. Nicely done. Second place, these folks get $30 on their account. D. Souter, Amber Martin, and Landon Craig. Good job, folks. Good job. And let me tell you, if you're the one that's putting the bill for the teen conference, you shout and cheer when they get money put in it. And then first place, $50 on their account. $50, Michaela Carroll, Allison Kitzmiller, and Bethany Craig. Stand up, stand up, stand up, Allison. Good job. Well done, well done. All right, uh, thank you so much. Where's my son? Waiting on me. All right. <laughs> Good night. All right, all the young folks heading to Children's Church and Junior Church. Come on, make your way down this morning. Everybody heading to Children's Church, Junior Church. Come on, come on quickly. We're going to do our penny march. If you're visiting with us, uh, we're going to let collect dimes, nickels, pennies, and quarters to help pay for the awards we just gave out.
Everybody heading to Children's Church, Junior Church. Come on this morning. tell you, nothing thrills my heart more than seeing a swarm of kids all over the place. I just, uh, anybody that don't understand that, don't understand how to build a church. Man, that's, that's, that's just blesses my heart. Fellas, make your way down. Evan, come get ready to sing for us this morning. I want you to listen to this young man. Uh, we've watched this young kid grow and, and turn into a young man with a voice as pure as any you've ever heard. And I love to hear this young fella sing. I thought it'd be entirely appropriate for him to sing on Father's Day. So let's pray and ask God's blessings upon this offering. Lord, bless the offering today. May it be what you'd have it to be. Lord, we're thankful. We are so thankful for the opportunity to give back that with which you've blessed us. Lord, we're coming to the part of the hour that's so critical, where we worship, Lord, where we pray, where we give, and most of all, where we dive into God's word. Use us today to be a blessing in Christ's name. Amen. Sing it, buddy. I faced a mountain that I never faced before. That's why I'm calling on you, Lord. I know it's been a while, but Lord, please hear my prayer. I need you like I never have before. Sometimes it takes a mountain. Sometimes a troubled sea. Sometimes it takes a desert to get a hold of me. Your love is so much stronger than whatever troubles me. Sometimes it takes a mountain to trust you and believe. Forgive me, Jesus, I thought I could control whatever life would throw my way but this I will admit has brought me to my knees I need you Lord and I'm not ashamed 
to save Sometimes it takes a mountain Sometimes a troubled sea Sometimes it takes a desert to get a hold of me. Your love is so much stronger than whatever troubles me. Sometimes it takes a mountain to trust you and believe. Sometimes it takes a mountain to trust you and believe. Sometimes it takes a mountain Sometimes a troubled sea Sometimes it takes a desert To get a hold of me stronger than whatever troubles me sometimes it takes a mountain to trust you and believe Sometimes it takes a mountain to trust you and believe. Well done. You need to get up in the choir now, buddy. It's awesome. Next practice. That's awesome. Amen. Awesome job, Evan. That was a good song. Page number 448 this morning. Let's stand to sing as we get ready for fellowship time. Hymn number 448. Brethren, we have met to worship. We'll do the first verse. Have a time of fellowship. Page 
you so much, ladies. Much appreciated. Two places I'm going to invite you to turn this morning. Number one, turn to Joshua, please, chapter number one. Joshua, chapter number one. And then also flip just a few pages over. Put your bookmarker there. And then flip a few pages over to Isaiah 40. Joshua 1 and Isaiah 40. While you're turning, I will say a big thank you to, first of all, those that brought in the food yesterday for the college uh, graduation uh, ceremony. And then, of course, the, the little sweet treats that we had downstairs. I appreciate everybody helping us out with that reception. And then I also want to say thank you to those that helped with the meals for the college folks this year. Uh, I don't think Brother Toller would mind me sharing this, uh, but both Brother Toller, faculty, and then, then some of the students as well just thanked me profusely for how kind the church had been and welcoming them in. And I am so grateful to how you uh, stood with us on that. And thank you for, for all that you did to bring that to fruition this year. Joshua chapter 1, please. And Isaiah chapter 40, if you found both of those, say amen. Let's begin in Joshua 1. We will read just one verse, verse 9. 32nd background story, Moses has gone home to be with the Lord. The children of Israel now are preparing to cross over into the promised land, yet they need a leader. They need someone who will bring this long 40 years of wilderness wandering to its close and will be in charge of leading these people into their new life. And as you know, Joshua is commissioned to be that leader. He has a powerful, powerful speech here, but please look in verse number 9. One statement. Have not I commanded thee, be strong and of a good courage, be not afraid, Neither be thou dismayed, for the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever thou goest. Now flip to Isaiah. Hold your place there. We'll go back to it. Flip to Isaiah chapter 40. Many, 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 many people quote, know, have bookmarks and cups that reflect Isaiah 40. 31, but you need to look at verse 30 first. Isaiah 40, 30. Notice scripture says, Even the youths shall faint and be weary. The young men shall utterly fall. Notice that big old word that comes next. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Father, bless the reading of your word. Lord, as I said a moment ago, we come now to the part of the day part of the service, the part of the hour that is so critical. Lord, most assuredly, it is not because I'm standing here doing it, but it is because of what you ordained in the foolishness of preaching. Lord, we are so grateful 
for our fathers. Yet we also recognize there we have no greater father than you, Lord. So, Lord, it is my desire that you would help me to take the outline that I think you've laid upon my heart and deliver it in such a way that, number one, those that don't know their Heavenly Father might be convicted to come to know Him today. And those that do know their Heavenly Father would be drawn closer and would walk out of here celebrating their relationship with God but drawing strength and getting stronger every day. Well, thank you, and we'll praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. A couple had gotten into a major argument. They really said some things that they wished they could take back. At the end of it, the husband looked at his wife and said, I just do not understand how you can be so beautiful and so stupid at the same time without missing a beat. The wife looked at her husband and said, Well, sweetheart, God made me beautiful so you would love me. And God made me stupid so I would love you. <laughs> Amen. Don't say, you just got it. It took you a second, didn't it? Amen. <laughs> oh, I love it. I'm going to make a statement this morning by way of a simple introduction. That is a Gregology statement, but it is something about which I feel very passionate. America today is in a crisis because of the absence of fathers. There are a lot of issues that our country faces. But the absence of fatherhood escalates to the top. Now, I'm going to talk a lot today about fatherhood, and I want to be very clear. I don't just mean biological fathers. That's always wonderful. But fathers can come in a lot of shapes and forms. Fathers can be biological. They can be stepfathers. They can be grandfathers. They can be uncles. They can be older brothers. They can be mentors. Uh, the absence of godly male influence is a crisis in our country. I want to make another statement. We won't be good fathers, men, by accident. It is typically and oftentimes not in our nature. There are some prerequisites to being a good father. We have to function deliberately as a father. We have to take responsibility as a father. We have to think as a father. We've got to act like a father. Uh, all of these are prerequisites to being a good father. I'm going to make one more statement this morning. That is, again, Gregology, and I hope you'll amen me. There are lots of people today who have no idea what real fatherhood's all about. We have gotten the ideas from pop culture from icons, and I could name a few of them, but I'd get in a lot of trouble if, well, that's all right. <laughs> Oprah doesn't know what a good man and father is. We've gotten ideas, and I'm not going to throw out a bunch of lists, uh, but I am going to tell you that the idea of fatherhood doesn't come from uh, society. It comes from here. Before there was a church, uh, there was a family and a father. 
Before there was a government, there was a family and a father. Please listen to what I'm about to say. The home was the first institution that God created. It was, is, and will always be the foundational fabric of a healthy society. So don't be surprised that our enemy seeks to destroy the culture by destroying the family unit and going after fathers in the process. I read a statistic. Uh, I I am a self-confessed data nerd. (laughs) The team that works for me at the college or works with me or that I supervise, uh, it's a running joke at our standing Wednesday meetings. They, They are to the point now that they know not to bring anything to me unless they got the data to support it. I'm a self-possessed, confess, possessed, confess data nerd. But this statement or these statistics that I came across two years ago cut me to the core. So I want everybody to listen. If both parents accompany their child to church, 72% of those children remain in church as adults. 72%. We'll round that to 75, three out of four. If only the father takes the child to church, then 58% of the children remain in church. Did you catch that? If it's just the father, single father, or for whatever reason, only the father takes the parent or the child to church, almost 60% remain in church as adults. But if only the mother takes the child, if only the mother takes the child, less than 16% of them remain in church as adults. Less than 16%. Now let me be clear. That's not to say single mothers don't do an incredible job. That's not to suggest in one iota that single mothers uh, are not carrying the water for their family. What it does suggest, listen, is that children's first vision of a father is seen here. And if a father doesn't see the need, or if a father figure doesn't accompany that need, then the likelihood of them remaining in church plummets. Here's what I hope is one of your takeaways this morning. All the men, look at me. Look at me. There's a single mother in this church that's doing her job, bringing her kids to church. You'd be well served, men, to take some of them babies up under your arm. To let them know that there are some men that care for them. To let them know that there is a place where they belong. To let them know that there is a place where they are wanted. Because when you do that, they see God through you. So let's look at our scripture this morning. I want to give you three things about a message that I've entitled, Loving, Loyal Fatherhood. Loving, Loyal fatherhood. Godly fathers have, I think, three important characteristics. Now, you understand that fathers come in all sizes and shapes and abilities and anything you can think of, uh, it runs the gamut. But good godly fathers, I think, have three things all in common. Number one, by the way, if you're not a father, I think this is just good godly manhood. Number one, good godly fathers and good 
godly men have learned to lean. They've learned to lean. It's interesting that we don't often talk about, uh, as men, our desire or our neediness. As men, we like to talk about how we can handle it, we can take care of it, we can fix it, we can control it. But I'm reminded uh, that Scripture says in Proverbs 3, 5, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not into thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. So men, what are you leaning on God for? Number one, we better be leaning on him for salvation. We better be leaning on God for salvation. You know the verse already, Ephesians 2, For by grace are you saved through faith. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. We men like to talk about oftentimes uh, how we're in control of things. We can make things happen. Uh, how we uh, don't have to uh, uh, lean on anyone else. Uh, but I am reminded uh, that if we are going to be a godly father or a godly man, we must recognize our own frailties uh, in the flesh and lean on God for salvation. Something happens, truly, to young boys when they begin to go through puberty. As children, and I mean spiritually, as children, young men and young women find it easy to lean on God. That's one of the reasons that 85% today of folks who come to know the Lord do so before their 13th birthday. Now, that doesn't mean that folks don't get saved after their 13th birthday, but it means that it becomes a much more difficult wooing, if you will. It becomes a more difficult process. Why? Because children are by nature trusting you tell them that God says and the Bible says and they believe it. They, they have no problems leaning on God. They have no problems trusting God. But I'm just going to be honest. Uh, something happens when young boys, when peach fuzz starts growing. You know, we, we then become men. And we decide at that point uh, that we can handle it. Uh, we are in control. Uh, we become independent. Uh, and we can do it all ourselves. Uh, but real men and real fathers have learned uh, that we can't even walk without God holding our hand. We lean on God for salvation. We, al we also, pardon me, lean on God for strength. We lean on God for strength. We recite Isaiah... 4031 all the time. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength, etc., etc., etc. But the reality is that verse 30 actually stands in a contradictory nature to verse 31. Because in verse 30 of Isaiah, it talks about how the youths, the young men, shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. And then there's that big word, but, which means now we're talking about a different group of people. In verse 30, we're talking about youngsters and their innate nature to mess up and do things silly that teenagers typically do. But then we turn the corner to page 31, or verse 31 rather, and it says, but they, and if I can paraphrase, it means the older saints. The older men, the older ladies, the older folks that have learned to wait upon the Lord, we recognize that there is considerable strength that comes from waiting on God. I share this often. I am someone, and men don't leave me hanging, who likes it done my way and on my time frame. Amen. I'm not going to discuss it. I'm not going to argue with you. 
because it's you are I tell my family all the I tell my family all the time you have every right to be wrong. Amen. I want it done my way on my time schedule and to my satisfaction. Now I'm seeing a lot of ladies go. But the reality is folks uh, that is an innate nature of man. You can go look it up in psychology. Of course, I'm speaking broadly, uh, but it will tell you the same thing. We're culturally created that way. We're God created that way, culturally articulated that way. Uh, but the reality is uh, one of the great days of our lives is when we discover uh, that God's plan is better than our plan. And God's time schedule is greater than our time schedule. How many times uh, have we messed things up royally uh, because we failed to wait on God? How many times have we waited on God and we stepped back and said, I never would have imagined how good it could be, uh, but look what God did for me because I waited on him. Real godly men lean on God for salvation. They lean on God for strength. But they also, listen now, Lean on God for soundness, for wisdom, for, for reasoning. James 1.5 says, If any man or any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. Give it to all men that liberally abradeth not, and it shall be given him. I talked about this in my... Sunday school hour for the last two weeks a lot. But I want you to listen carefully, church, to what I'm about to say. We have taken a giant sidestep culturally and have decided that what we think or feel is best. We've decided in our society that if I think it or feel it, it's okay. Listen carefully. And I mean this for all of us. If what we think or feel doesn't follow after the Scripture, you better not go with what you think or feel. You're better off going with Scripture. I hear and see some of the stupidest, most foolish advice today. And I know I said it last week, but I'm going to say it again. When you see people say things like, go with your heart. Are you kidding me? Are you out of your ever-loving mind? My Bible says the heart is wicked. And you're going to say go with your heart? Don't go with your heart. Go with what Bible says. You're going to tell me that you're going to do this because you think it? Don't go with what you think. Go with what Scripture says. Because there's a lot of us, the preacher included, uh, that have made a lot of messes because we've gone with our heart uh, when if we'd have stuck with what Scripture said, uh, we'd have been better off to begin with. So good, godly fathers lean on the Lord for salvation, for strength, and for soundness of wisdom. Godly men don't just lean on the Lord. They don't just lean, but good godly men are those who've also learned to lead. Learned to lead. Now, I want to be very careful what I'm about to say because I want you to listen and it's important. We often talk about specific scriptures when we talk about male leadership. I'm going to give you some we don't talk about that are critical. Fellas, when I'm talking about leadership, we got to learn to lead our flesh. Amen. We've got to learn to lead and control our flesh. Galatians 
Paul writes, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. The life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Fellas, we can't be good fathers until we learn to control our flesh. And that flesh can take all kinds of forms. Uh, the, that flesh uh, that can take all kinds of sizes. Uh, but here's what I want you to get out of this. Uh, fathers, uh, it is up to us to teach our sons uh, how to respect a lady. Fathers, uh, it is up to us uh, to treat our daughters uh, how to gain respect uh, of others. Fathers, uh, it is up to us. Why? Because we know the wickedness of man's mind. We know the man's heart. Uh, we know uh, what happens in a man's head. Uh, so, fathers, I submit to you, uh, teach your children, teach your sons, teach your own flesh uh, how to control their minds uh, so that the daughters are treated uh, with the respect they are due. And sons know what it means to treat a girl like a lady. That, I'm afraid, is epidemic in our society. Failure to treat a girl like a lady. Failure to treat a woman like a lady. I have to tell you, some of you have heard this story, but I like it because it's a, it is a microcosm of my childhood. Years before I started pastoring, we were in a revival service at Wayside. One of my favorite preachers, Dr. Bob Dartery was preaching, and the revival had come to an end. His wife's name was Evelyn. They were up in their 70s. and So I hugged her neck, and I said, Mrs. Dartery, it's been wonderful having you. Thank you so much for being here, you and Dr. Dartery. And she looked at me, and she said, Brother Greg, please call me Evelyn. Everyone at our church calls me Miss Evelyn. You call me that as well. So I'm walking out of the revival on that Wednesday night. My parents are behind me, and and I hugged Dr. Dartery, called him that, and I said, Miss Evelyn, hope you'll have a safe trip home. My mother grabbed me by a love handle and drugged me all the way down the steps. Yeah, this one right here. <laughs> and I said, Mother, what are you doing? And she popped me upside the head as step after step we took. Now, my mother was this tall and at that time rather large. And so what did you do? I ran. <laughs> I said, Mama, what are you doing? She said, don't you ever call a woman of that age by her first name. I said, Mama, she told me to. She got right up my face and said, and is she your mama? What did you do? I said, no, ma'am. And she said, as long as you've got the Hodges last name and as long as I'm alive, don't you dare. My mama's in heaven now. I can do what I want to. Amen. <laughs> No, I can't. The reality is, folks, uh, the idea of treating a woman like a lady starts uh, with how a father treats a mother. Fathers, we got to learn to lead our flesh. Secondly, fathers, we got to learn to spiritually lead our families. Now, let me make a very blunt statement. I'm going to read some verses uh, that you've heard oftentimes, but I want to make a very blunt statement. Women and men are equal in the eyes of God. Let me say it again. Women and men are equal in the eyes of God. How do I know that? Because God is no respecter of persons. God does not look at red, yellow, black, white, male, female. He looks at saved or lost. 
But there are some scriptural differences between men and women. And if you don't believe that the male and female species is different, you've never been married. Amen. I, I, I saw that book on the bookshelves one time. Women are from Venus, men are from Mars. And I thought to myself, you've got no idea. We are not the same. We don't think the same. We don't react the same. We don't process the same. We are extremely different. And thank God, that's what makes the world go round. That's the reason God made chocolate, vanilla, and strawberry ice cream. Some people like chocolate, some people like vanilla, some people like strawberry, and then there are those of us that are saved that like them all. With whipped cream, cherries, uh, and, and pecans. And chocolate, salsa, and caramel, and I've been dieting for two weeks, and I'm about to starve. <laughs> Amen. We are different. God made us that way. Because when we get to one of the scriptures that often get talked about in reference to male and female, the application of it is just wrong most of the time. What am I talking about? Well, Paul refers to, excuse me, Peter refers to women in 1 Peter 3. Turn with me so you'll know what I'm talking about. Turn to 1 Peter, please. 1 Peter 3, 7. Look at what Peter writes, 1 Peter 3, 7. Likewise, you husbands, dwell with them, and that's your wives, your family, according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel. And as being heirs together of grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. That verse is all about the importance and the productivity of the home. But you will often hear pastors and preachers hone in on that clause, the weaker vessel. And somehow, uh, they totally botch it, to be honest with you. Because they take it to mean that the woman cannot do, is not able, is not as close to God, and that's a bunch of hogwash. In fact, if you read the rest of the verse, it makes it very plain that they are joint heirs together so you understand what scripture means what Peter's talking about when he says the weaker vessel how many of you have ever bought Corel dishware at Walmart or some other place some of you know what I'm talking about it is like the difference between Corel and fine china Corel that's us fellas Fine china, the weaker vessel, is our ladies. Would you look at me? You put the corral out for everybody. You cherish the china. You put the corral out on display, and if it gets nicked, you don't worry about it. But the china's precious. It's on display in the cabinet, if you have cabinet or china. You understand that you can about toss one of them corrals on the floor and stomp on it, and you're not going to destroy it. 
But a china, you drop it, and it's instantly gone. That's what Peter's talking about. When he calls them the weaker vessel, he's saying they're the china. They are most precious. They are to be reserved, if you will. They are the ones that you say, look at what God's done when he created this precious creature. She's not someone to be trampled on. Fellas, boys, she's not someone to have your way with, if you will. She is somebody to be cherished. Even when she works there alone, it's not out of your nerves. Amen. I love how all of y'all went to Mr. Nate. Amen. You see, fellas, it's up to us to set that establishment in our home. I have to tell you, I was, I'm one of those kids that I didn't get tons and tons of spankings growing up, but the ones I got were everlasting. And I can remember three of them from my father. And the one that I got absolutely toe up over was when I sassed my mother. My father could not tolerate me mouthing to my mother. And he, if, if, if social services had been around, I'd have been in foster care. I'm just, I'm just telling you. And when it was all said and done, I was stupid enough to say, Daddy, I'm going to call 1-800-4-A-CHILD. Some of you senior saints, you remember that. On TV, some of you don't know what I'm talking about. On TV, there used to be this little uh, commercial that said, if you've been a victim of child abuse, please call 1-800-4-CHILD. I said, I'm going to call 1-800-4-CHILD. God is my witness. He picked me up, put me down in front of the phone, and started dialing it for me. And he looked at me and said, you sass her again, and I will kick you out. That might not fit your theology. I'm going to tell you straight up, I learned how to respect a woman. And I learned how to respect a mother. And I learned how to respect the creatures and the beauties that God puts into our lives that we call femininity and womanhood. Notice if you would, not only, finally I should say, godly men are those who've learned to lean. Those who've scripturally learned to lead. But listen, men, they are those who have learned to openly love. Openly love. Sometimes when we talk about men loving, we get this idea of ushy-gushiness. I don't mean that. To put it in perspective, I'm, I'm, I'm about to turn 48. I saw my daddy cry twice in my entire life. Once was the day mother passed little tear and the other time where I absolutely saw him fall apart in the kitchen of our home or his home was when he was pastoring and word got back to him about what somebody said about mother he got so angry that he stood there with clenched fists tears streaming down his face and he looked at me and said son I cannot tolerate someone talking about your mother I cannot tolerate it and he was so angry I looked at him and said daddy where's the shotgun I need to borrow it because <laughs> I just knew he's gonna go do something stupid I'm telling you this because my daddy's not a crier 
He's never been a crier. He's not an emotional person. In fact, I cry when some... G- they had on TV this morning uh, these soldiers uh, getting Father's Day welcomes from their babies, and I'm standing in there crying like a little girl. Amen. Every time some GI calls home on AT&T, I'm a puddle of tears. My father and my wife are standing over there going, grow up. Pitch a big boy underwear on. Come on. I don't want you to think that when I talk about men, the need for us to love, that I mean that ushy-gushy love. But I do mean this. And fellas, I hope you'll get me clearly. You see, in order for a child to look to God as his father, he's got to see God in his father. May I please say that again? In order for a child to look to God as his father, he needs to see God in his father. Who do we love, men? First of all, we need to be open in our love for our Father. We need to be open in our love for our Father. Men, it's so important that you show your families that you love God. It is so important that you show your children and your grandchildren and the other young people and the other family members that you love God. But not just our fathers, our families. You know this already. Any old man can create a child, but it takes a real man to father a child. Any old person can create a child. It takes a man to father a child. Colossians 3.19 says, husbands, love your wives. Be not bitter against them. The Bible is very clear on this. I heard one fella tell me, preacher, I love my wife. I told her so 30 years ago, and if it changes, I'll let her know. But I've also learned, listen, that love is more than just emotional, ushy gushiness. You can love somebody even when you might not like them at the moment. Amen. And every parent in the building said, Amen. You can love somebody even if at the moment you don't like them. That means that when we love someone, we seek their welfare ahead of ours. We seek the happiness of them ahead of ourselves. That means that my effort will be to make the object of my love happy, secure, and comfortable. That means that for me to love my wife, I have to do so in a way that she understands that I love her. So real men, we love the Father, we love our families, and I hope you'll amen the last one. We love the fellowship of God's people. The older I get, the more I recognize the fact that God doesn't need church, I need church. The older I get, the more that I understand that God created the fellowship of believers for me, for you. Why? 1 John 1, 7. We walk in the light as he's in the light. We have fellowship one with another. Blood of Jesus Christ cleanseth us from all sin. 1 Thessalonians 4, 9. As touching brotherly love, ye need not that I write unto you, for ye yourselves are taught of God to love one another. I'm going to make a bold statement. Very few people 
will ever become strong believers in Christ without the fellowship of others. Now there are times where perhaps we can't have that fellowship. Health reasons, family reasons, I get it. Been there, understand it. I will tell you, my mother died on March the 30th. The last time she was in church was the Christmas play in December. And during the last few weeks when things got really bad prior to her death, uh, she looked at me and she said, Greg, do you know what I miss more than anything? Uh, I thought she was going to talk about the food she couldn't eat anymore. Uh, but she looked at me and she said, I miss going to church. My mother had been a pastor's wife in over a decade. I said, Mama, you mean being a pastor's wife? She said, no, I don't miss that a bit. <laughs> She said, I miss going to church and seeing people and hugging people and telling them I love them and hearing them tell me they love me back. I said, Mama, I love you. She said, I know you have to. When you can't, you sure wish you could. It's amazing what we take for granted. I shared this on social media yesterday and I'll close with this. I have a pastor friend of mine that I love to chat with love to talk to in fact most of you know I, I, brother Johnny Pope and Joe Arthur are the two I talk to the most and a few months ago I was having a little pity party so I called up brother Pope and I said preacher can you chat with me a few minutes and brother Pope is a hoot he's a hoot and he said oh brother Greg any time for you and so I began to have a little Baptist pity party and I tell him everything I was going through, and this one was mad at this one, and couldn't do this, blah, 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 blah. And, and I thought I was going to get a boatload of sympathy. I mean, that's why I called him. But the words he said to me pierced me, and I've heard other preachers say them as well. He said, Pastor, I understand your heartache. I understand the pain you're facing. But here's how I want you to dwell on for the rest of the day. 99% of the Baptist preachers in this country are begging God to give them what you're taking for granted. I did not want to hear that. And I joked and I said, Brother, I didn't call you for that. I called for you for you to stroke my tail feathers and tell me how bad it was. He said, Preacher, I understand the pain. But you also need to understand that there's a line of preachers who would love to have that pain. Here's what I want you to extrapolate upon, folks. Fathers, when you get tempted, when you get tested, when you get tried, please understand that the 10% you're about to get it's not worth the 90% you're about to give up. Listen to me carefully. I promise I'm done. Some of you under the tent heard Brother C.T. talk about this. Homes, families, and lives are ruined because we're chasing after the 10% we don't have. And when we do, we give up the 90% that God's already given us. And there are people all over the world and all over the country and even in the church that are begging God to give them what we're taking for granted. Fathers, Let's be men. Let's be fathers. Stand to your feet this morning.
heads bowed with me today. Thank you for your attention. You know what? I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. Here's what we're going to do. Fathers, mothers, men, women, teens. God has spoken to you today in any capacity. Step out. Just meet me at the altar. Let's pray together. I say again, crisis of fatherhood in our country and often in our churches. Often in our churches. God has spoken to you about anything. Might be a good idea for you to grab your wife's hand and you two come together. Come by yourself, whatever. Just come on up here to this altar. Lots of folks are moving. Maybe it's a child. Maybe it's a personal issue. Altar's open. I want to ask you the most important question. You've never been gloriously born again. You don't know Jesus as Lord and Savior of your life. And you would like for me just to pray with you. That's all I'm going to do. Just going to pray. If you've never been saved, would you just lift that hand up? Preacher, pray for me. Pray for me. Brother Ken's going to sing us just a verse of invitation. God's spoken to you. Step out right now. Brother Ken, come on. time. Let's sing it a cappella, Mr. Renee. I need thee, oh, I need thee all over. I need thee, oh, I need thee. Every hour. Every hour I need thee. Oh, bless me now, my Savior. I come Brother Ken's going to dismiss us in prayer. Be back with us Wednesday night talking about the spiritual battlefield of discouragement. It's a battlefield that we all face. And I encourage you to be with us as we'll give you some tools to how to fight through it. Brother Ken, pray for us this morning. Heavenly Father and God, we do thank you, Lord, for the challenge you sent by our way this morning. 
Father, what a timely message. Father, thank you, Lord, for sending a message like that through our pastor today. And, Father, for the things you laid upon his heart. God, for the things that were said today, Lord, and as they pierced our hearts, God, help us to ponder on these things. Father, as men in here today, Lord, help us to realize the importance that we serve God as a father or a dad, a, a mentor or somebody that other people look up to. Father, help us all, Lord, to guard our testimonies. and Father, just to be good godly people here in this world. And Father, may people see Jesus through us. Father, what a privilege it is to be able to call you our Heavenly Father. Father, we thank you for salvation through your Son, Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray, God, you'd bless the people as we go our separate ways today and spend time with our families. And Father, just enjoy this afternoon and thankful, Lord, for our fathers. God, it's in Jesus' name we do pray today. Amen.